Hello, and welcome back into another edition of the Emerald Sports Podcast. We're talking football. Um, it is now the, what, third. Uh, so yesterday, Oregon fell 17-34 to 34, um, against Iowa State in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Gabe is here with me. He was there covering the game down in Arizona. So we're going to talk about the game, what that was like for Gabe. Um, some of the kind of alarming trends we saw in this game and, and what we think kind of moving forward. Um, Gabe, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm upset I didn't get my PS5 yesterday. Um, they, they did not come through with that. Um, and it was weird to go down into the desert and see people eating inside and see people eating outside. But I mean, I did go to um, downtown Phoenix and there was not a soul to be seen for a solid 30 to 45 minutes. And it felt very weird. Um, but not what I expected Phoenix to be after all the um, things that I've heard about it. But nonetheless, we're in a weird time. So it's been a, it's been a weird year for travel and for coverage. Yeah, for sure. Big event. Absolutely. When we saw yeah. the, the Rose Bowl was inside. I mean, that they were showing pictures. In Texas. Of the yeah. In Texas. Weird. Yeah. Well, look, um, Oregon ranked 25 in the nation. Iowa State, at, you know, a fringe number 10 in the nation, top 10. It's been a weird year, but on paper, going to this game, you know, a lot of people nationally are probably like, oh, you know, Oregon State's going to, or Oregon, excuse me, is going to get ran, uh, ran out of the building. Yeah, I think people that follow Oregon's team, including myself and probably yourself, thought, well, you know, hold up. Maybe Oregon can keep this close. They played their best game in a lot of ways, maybe not offensively, but their best game in a lot of aspects of the season against USC. It's a young team. They're still putting things together in this shortened season. I mean, they had played six games going into uh, the game against Iowa State, and Iowa State had played 11. Um, but it, it didn't pan out that way. Oregon kind of shot themselves in the foot. They couldn't get out of their own way. They lose several turnovers, and that's the biggest thing we're going to get to. Um, just from being there, what was the mojo like, and, and what were the things that jumped out at you the most, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, it was the first time all season that Oregon's had a chance to play in front of their families, um, of course. Um, I know they kind of gauged around 1,500 to 2,000 people there, and that seems like quite a few, but it just seemed like it was a very um, small amount given that it's a stadium that can seat over 72,000 people. So if you can put that into your head of just what that looks like. Um, and they didn't really play a factor into like how loud they were and just, you know, how games go and things like that. Um, but yeah, you kind of you kind of just already were getting to the points that like to the start of the game um, came out. Um, they didn't have for the second time this year in back to back games. Um, CJ Verdell, um, he was out again, uh, given he was out in their um, last game, too. So they did not have him uh, yesterday. But I mean, come out and you give the ball to Iowa State and they did what they've been doing all season. Long, long drives that chewed up um, half the first quarter. And of course they score a lot of running the ball, a lot of play action, a lot of with your tight ends is kind of all they've been doing all year, but it worked. And Oregon, again, their defense was on their heels and on the field for half of the first quarter. So it, you kind of think that this is, Oregon just kind of getting tested early on and their defense is just going to do what they have to do. And then, you know, just make the adjustments and all that stuff. But I mean, you kind of saw what Iowa state was going to do all game on the first drive. 
And then Oregon came back and Tyler Shuck looked pretty good. That was kind of a big question from everybody um, in the media and the fans were, is he going to show up? Is he going to play well? And he had a perfect drive, I mean, in a sense. And then, of course, in the red zone, we saw what we saw last game. And they bring in um, Anthony Brown. And Brown, of course, again, um, has a six-yard run for a touchdown and they tie the game. And then after that is when it gets a little, a little more yeah. uh, downhill for Oregon. Well, let, look, I don't want to bury the lead here. The quarterbacks are the thing to talk about. I think that's clearly the story of the game. But you mentioned Iowa State being prepared. They did the thing they've been doing all year. Very methodical, and, yes. And, and Krista Ball said, I think, post-game that this team reminded him of the Oregon team last year. And it's, it's pretty undeniable because you have a – and we might, we might talk about Herbert. You had a quarterback, though, who was experienced. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy's got experience. He didn't didn't have a crazy game, but he made plays and he didn't really make any bad plays, which when I went on the podcast with some of the Iowa State writers, their whole thing was like, you know, we feel confident, but Brock Purdy does dumb things. He makes bad plays and he didn't do that. But this Iowa State team just played smarter. They were sound defensively. They got a lot of third down. I mean, with 11 for 19 on third down, they converted some fourth down. They ran the ball. They stayed ahead of the chains, ahead of schedule. They never really had until later in the game, later in the second half, which we'll get to, they, they didn't have any third and longs for a while. And they just played sound. And on the other side, you have this inexperienced Oregon team. And it reminds me so much of last year's game where the teams are flipped, where in, in, in the Rose Bowl last year, Oregon – doesn't play amazingly stat-wise, but Wisconsin had four turnovers. They capitalized off errors from their team, and they played pretty sound themselves. And Oregon basically gave this game to Iowa State because despite what it looks like on the score and the rankings and what people are going to be saying, this was undeniably a winnable game for Oregon because it was close in the first half. And that's where we have to get to the quarterbacks because Tyler Shuck came out and looked sharp. They had a negative play, I think, the first play of that drive where I think he, he had a QB keeper, got tackled for loss, and I'm like, oh, here we go, and then just fired off some dimes, and they scored immediately. It's like, oh, they're bringing in Anthony Brown. And then the curious decision, and I want to know what it was like for you guys there in the press box. They bring in Anthony Brown on the second drive, so it's what? It's 7-7, then it's 14-7, and then they bring in Anthony Brown to start the drive, which they hadn't done yet. What was the reaction? What were your thoughts when that happened? So to, to kind of just um, go back a little bit, um, Oregon's second drive only lasted two plays because Die fumbled the ball. That's right. That's and, right. Yes. And then so they were, I think I would say was already on like the 15-yard line by the time that they That's right. got the ball from the fumble. So they scored pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, then, there's a lot to deconstruct from this game for sure. Yeah. So then after um, Iowa State was able to get the ball back um, – I believe in the second quarter, um, Oregon made a really good stop and they were able to um, stop them on the two yard line. And then, so they brought in Brown and I was assuming that Brown was just, was just going to get them um, out of like that 25 yard zone. And then they were just going to bring in shut. Cause I don't know if they necessarily trust Tyler to, running any kind of offense given that he's under a lot of pressure he hasn't really been in anything like that before and um brown's seen kind of everything that you can see at this point but before you know it i mean 
92 yards down the field and he caps it off again with another touchdown. So you're kind of like, what are we, is this, is this going to be like a back and forth thing and all that stuff. And something that was very fascinating was that we haven't heard from Brown all season and we still haven't. Um, and they sent Tyler out there um, last night to the meet and he filled it all the tough questions that were just coming his way about. Which he's done all season. Yeah. He's been great with the media. I mean, and, and yeah, and that's not a big deal, but yeah, he, he yeah. But I mean, he was get, he was he was getting questions that he shouldn't have been getting because it should have been Anthony Brown answering all these questions about you know like his performance, you know, how does it feel to finally get some like game time um, this year? But like Tyler filled out all the questions about do you feel slighted? Did you know about what was going to happen in the game? And his answers were just a lot of we or I just get ready for what I can get ready for and what I can control. And he had no idea it was going to go like it did because he told us that it was a really just drive the drive case that they told him, you're going to go in, you know, Brown's going to go in, you're going to go in, Brown's going to go in. And that's kind of how it went for the whole game for him, um, which is very fascinating because when you ask, um, when you ask uh, Cristobal, he just said that we prepared both quarterbacks for all the situations. So, I mean, given what you saw against, against, a USC you knew something was going to happen I, I know me and you kind of chatted about it that you know are are we are we going to see Brown are we going to see Tyler are we going to see any kind of quarterback switching and to Oregon's case after the second quarter score by Brown the offense got shut out in the third and fourth quarters and they only scored three more points to get to their total of 17 which is what they finished with and you kind of saw them go back and forth. I mean, very similar um, to the Cal game, a little bit. The yeah, it was in the first half and none in the second. Um, it was very, very strange. But like you said, compared to the teams last year, they didn't have a three-year starting quarterback at that point. Or I mean, by the time that they got to the Rose Bowl, he was essentially there for four years. And you don't have a Herbert-led offense where a lot of his guys have gotten just together with him and they trust him and you know they know what's going to come his way and that offense has been the same offense it had been for the past two to three years. Very, a lot of screen plays, run plays, things like that. So nothing too out of sorts, but yeah, I mean, for Oregon's offense, you saw a very dynamic offense to start the season. A lot of RPOs, they looked very creative, very smart. And it seemed like after the second game, Shuck and the offense kind of just started just a spiral. And Oregon hasn't looked the same since probably the Oregon State game, I would say. Offensively, that, yeah, yeah. Where, where they even hung up, I think, 30 or 40 on them. So you yeah. mm-hmm. kind of wonder what's going to come in this game where it's your last game of the season. Do you throw the whole kitchen sink at Iowa State? Have they seen everything that you've thrown at them or that they've – that you know, that kind of they've thrown at um, different teams this season? But, I mean – they looked very much. They look. They look just very generic. They look like they kind of went back to their old ways. Uh, I remember somebody tweeting out that that looked like a very Oregon third down where they just threw a like a quick little a bubble screen and they went nowhere. And that was kind of something you saw a lot last year. But yeah, I mean, just uh, it's it's immensely frustrating. Um, I don't know if Cristobal thought that he was somehow you know, messing with, with Iowa state's coaching and preparation by kind of keeping it close to the best, but from a, 
perspective of the media in us. And I can't even fathom what this feels like for, for Shuck, who was the guy that were totally behind Shuck. He had the job. And yes, he had some moments that were tough, but he played well early in the season. And I was on here saying that he needed to be better. His parents come out. That's the first time they've seen him ever as a starting quarterback at Oregon. And he looks good on the first drive. And then this happens. And I just, I don't, I don't really get it. It was frustrating in the moment. And when, look, I've loved what we've seen from Anthony Brown. And I thought Anthony Brown's experience was really something to be said. I, you know, I, I couldn't have predicted Anthony Brown to be this efficient in the time that he's played at Oregon. But coming in, he clearly had more experience. And so when I saw him out there on the second drive, I said, okay, you know, look, Shuck looked good. Let's see what we got. And Brown came out, bing, 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 firing. It was the first read every time, as my friend pointed out to me, who was watching with me, he said, oh, he's just doing first read every time. But that shit was working because every time, quick decision-making, he looked really smooth, really polished, knew when it took off. And when he did take off his two rushing touchdowns, he looked fast. So then I'm sitting here thinking, well, and that was just one drive. And so this, you know, I'm in my head, I'm like, well, so is this, is this, have they mismanaged the quarterback position the whole year? I know Shuck was your guy, but you got to put the best guy out there, which is the, we put the guy that gives us the best chance. Is that Shuck? Because they did the same thing with the kicker where we have this guy Cattleman now who's nailing 40 something yard field goals where you fucked around with Camden Lewis for a season and a half now. Like what, where is this miss? Like, do you, do you see it being a mismanagement of talent or what, what is it? I, it reminds me of the Clippers to go back to kind of like a basketball reference where you play Montrez Harrell and he's a negative player, but great analogy. When you, yeah, yeah, but that. but but of course Doc Rivers like that's his guy, so he's just gonna keep riding his guy until he shows up. Um, and same with Paul George and Lou Will, and you saw those guys in the playoffs where they were not playing well, but they were Doc's guys, so Doc kept rolling with them. The same kind of goes here with 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 you know with Oregon and its coaching staff. Camden Camden Lewis has been there for I don't know two or three years now has not been great by any means um but he's your guy for the time being so you keep rolling with them you keep you keep telling them he's your guy until he's not your guy same with Tyler I know Crystal Ball has to cover up whatever he has to cover up to the media about keeping X's and O's to himself and you know I completely get that but it's not you're not fooling anyone and, and you weren't fooling Iowa State and you weren't going to fool Matt Campbell who's their head coach um so they've seen what they've seen from Tyler this year and they were ready for him um they saw what they saw from Anthony Brown given that it was a short amount but you can look back to all his going for the past three years but going back to your point uh, I, I mean in a sense it was a mismanagement I think they thought Tyler was their guy. He won the spot in a very short summer. Um, and they just rolled with him. Um, and then you kind of get this gift later in the year where, hey, this is a guy who can play for us in the red zone in Brown. And he started scoring touchdowns. Um, and he was the swinging point in the game a few weeks ago. And that's part of the reason why they won the Pac-12 championship. Um, and I don't, I don't understand you know, if it's not your guy, I know these people are people that you've recruited, but at the end of the day, all you should care about is winning. That's how you make your money. That's how people keep their jobs. Um, yeah, so I don't understand. Was, yeah, those calls last night. Bewildering in in a way. Um, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And I mean, just from everybody in the media area, just was a, a little confused as to why they were carouseling, um, which was kind of a big word. I was getting just a set a lot. And it, it doesn't make sense why you were going to carousel people. And they even asked uh, Micah Pittman after the game, like, does it, does it mess up your rhythm with, you know, either quarterback? And of course you expect a real, just generic safe answer was no, I like both of these guys. They're both my guys, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, if you're Tyler, if you're Anthony Brown, then what do you, it it just does. Yeah. And then what are, and then what are you going to do as an offense? You know, like, are you going to run the same plays or some different guys? And are you going to figure these things out together? Um, but I mean, after Anthony Brown drove the length of the field and scored, I figured he was going to stay in. But it, we still kind of saw this weird kind of like rotation well, where they would pull and guys and bring guys back in. That's what I want to get to because it's like I, we, both guys had moments. Gonzano wrote, I think he said like he said I like Shuck, but I don't like him when he's looking over his shoulder constantly, which is what he had to do because you say you have utmost confidence. And he comes out, and it's not like he had a pick. It's not like he played poorly. Like, he looked fine. And yeah, then – I mean, the, the offense looked great. And then you bring in uh, Brown. I'm saying, okay, well, look, that was an impressive drive from Brown. They got right the fuck down the field. But this is a game in which – because quarterback rhythm is a thing, especially with the off- – like, different quarterbacks practice, different things with different receivers. They have different rapports. You have to stay in rhythm. There's all these different things with that. And I understand bringing in a guy for a specific package for short yardage for red zone, but you're, you're toggling guys in and out in a game where the offense is barely on the field as it is. The time of possession was ridiculous in this game. I want to say it was like 36 to like, like 15. I don't don't know what it was, but it was, it was 48 to 17. There we go. Right. I couldn't add. Um, But you're you're not getting on the absurd. field that much, so whoever's at quarterback is coming in cold every time because the defense, and I'm sure we'll get to this, and we need to pick up the pace a little bit here probably, it was was getting shredded. So you're barely coming on the field, and you're talking in and out. And the, the, the timing, it's like you're, they're bringing in Shuck to run two handoffs, and then they're bringing in Brown for the third down. The other thing that was just kind of inconceivable, uh, just didn't make sense to me was – and I have to find the time for this, but it was, it was second half. It was end of the third quarter. It's, you know, a one, two score game. I think it was what it was 11 points. Maybe. Um, Are we going back to the Brown fumble? Well, the, the Brown fumble is certainly something to talk about. And we haven't even talked about special teams, but there was two drives in a row where the offense stalled. They had, but they got into two. I think it was, it was a fourth and two and a fourth and three. And there was two opportunities. And one of them was at midfield. The other one was in your own territory later on, but they're down a score or two with an offense on the other side that they haven't been able to slow down. And they finally started to slow down a little bit and you don't go for it on fourth and short. And I, in the moment I'm thinking, okay, that's weird. That's weird that Cristobal didn't do that. And then later in the game, they get in a position where they have to essentially, you think, go for it when they're in their own territory and they don't even try it. They punched it away again. And it seems like they didn't even want to win because they punted away again with like six minutes left in the game. And it's like, you're going to get the ball twice and score twice against this team. Like you're not. And so that was really, really questionable um, management to me of when to go for it and when not to go for it. I don't know if it was, they were scared. They wouldn't get it because they had a, they had a fourth down play earlier where Cyrus and BB Leakio got blown up in the backfield, but let's, let's, I guess, move on from the quarterbacks because that's a whole nother thing we can talk about and going into next year. 
the defense got shredded in the first half. They really started to stand up in the second half. You know, it was really just Purdy was thrown to his tight ends and Brees Hall had a great game, but they stand up. And then it's like, they, as soon as they stand up, the offense doesn't do much. And that's kind of the story of the season. What are, what did you think of the special teams um, given up those two fumbles on kicks? I know they were weird kicks and then the fumbling as a whole and the turnovers, it was just, there was no way they were going to win this game. Yeah. Um, as far as the defense goes, I mean, it's not ideal to have a 21 point swing in the second quarter where they gave up um, 21 points, but I mean, and, but I mean, overall, if you think about the second half, they only held, or I mean, they only let two field goals go in and what was in the third quarter and, one was in the fourth quarter, but when you're on the field for 48 minutes of the game, you're going to be exhausted. And I mean, Iowa state's never a team to just run three plays and they're off the field. They're going to go for it on third. They're going to go for it on fourth. We saw it last night where they converted, I think all of, but damn near. Uh, yeah. They went um, 11 for 19 on third down and two of three on fourth down, which is, I think one of the biggest numbers from the in game. A game where Oregon didn't convert a single third down, which yep. is remarkable. Yeah, and when you have a team who just keeps pounding the ball and who just keeps throwing you off, um, you're not going to win the game because you don't have any rest. Your players are exhausted. You're already kind of short um, a little bit, and a bunch of players haven't played who are back for the seat or who are back for the game. And we haven't really touched on it too much, but I mean, um, uh, but of course, uh, Isaac Slade got called for a target, I think, in the third quarter. That was a big sequence. That was really big and, sequence. And then within, I think, 10 minutes of that, um, Noah Sewell gets hurt. So you're bringing in two linebackers who don't have a lot of time playing together, and they're your starting linebackers, and they got attacked immediately. I mean, they went straight to the outside on them where they made them run to the edges, and they could not cover those tight ends, and you're making two guys who haven't played together very much all season kind of – kind of Nick your Weeby, guys which i mean if you're yeah. an Oregon fan do you even know who nick weeby is probably yeah <laughs> so i mean it was a tough go for the defense but i mean all in all i i thought they played very well um in the second half they just weren't given a lot because their offense wasn't able to do much and like we kind of talked about last year for the first four or five games of the season last year oregon's defense was really carrying the whole team and we saw herbert and that offense get really stagnant too as well to to the point where it was just like, okay, well, Oregon's defense is going to have to win this game for him. And if Oregon would have found a, a groove in the offensive side in the second half, they could have they could have probably like won the game. But it I mean, was, you're, it never really seemed out of reach until like no, it didn't, before. and and it, it it seemed like you kind of knew what this game was going to be by the time it hit like the midway through the third quarter, where Oregon just couldn't get it together, and you kind of. Um, you kind of already said it, but I mean, with the special teams, you have a beautiful play by Iowa State where they just, where they just sky the ball right over DJ Johnson's head and arms where he can barely just like, just misses it. And um, Chris Ball said after the game that that's not his fault, that they were like yelling at DJ and they felt like he got a little bit frantic and a little bit confused and the ball perfectly hit the ground and perfectly hit backwards towards Iowa State and Iowa State picked it up and it was their ball and that was a 14 point swing because they had just scored so yeah, yeah so I mean and yeah. the one later the one later is even more yeah and like, then so you 
And then so you swing the game 14 points within a minute to go in the second half. Oregon's going to get the ball back in the second half, of, of, of course. But, I mean, you have another chance to go down the field and you have a chance to have a 14-point swing yourself, but they just couldn't do it. Um, and then, of course, going on into the third quarter, they, you know, Oregon's offense was sputtering at that point. Their defense was reeling and they weren't. They weren't. It was one step forward, two steps back the whole yep. night. And then so it bounces right off of, I think it was a McHale Wright's um, helmet. Yeah, just a after... free play that you don't ever yeah. see. But yeah. that's coaching and, because the yep. guy calls a fair catch. I, I think it was Delgado. And mm-hmm. your guy has to catch it, yes, which is sometimes tricky. But when when you are surrounded by the – the return team from the other team and and your guy says fair catch, you shouldn't be running through the zone where the ball is falling. And I don't know if that's a coaching thing, but the special teams has been weak this year for Oregon. Yeah. And then just to kind of go back on that too, I mean, there's just small mental mistakes that killed Oregon and kind of what happened again. Um, I know, um, I know um, James Crepia um, from the Oregonian was kind of talking about why do you have a third string quarterback on, on kickoff return? I understand kickoff, you know, go down there and try to hit a guy, but kickoff return, you are responsible for blocking your side of that field and your zone of that field. And he wasn't understanding it when they would kick like to his side and they would just try to blow him up. And I saw him miss a block and that guy was responsible for kind of starting to slow down the kickoff return. But that's time a great, time again, that's a great nugget because I didn't catch that. Yeah. And we so, heard Kale Millen was, was, was tackling on the, on the, yeah coverage team but that's a big yeah that's a big deal so i so i didn't i didn't i didn't understand why not put a guy who has experience blocking or even or even like a defensive player of sorts on that side so um that part didn't make sense but um going back to our point your guy wants to play for you you're gonna plug and play your guy somewhere and then your guy either shows up or doesn't show up and i mean it's not all on kale mill and it's not all his fault there's a whole line of people you have to get through but i mean he's that first line of defense but it it just yeah it raises the point that i made earlier and i think we should use to transition to kind of looking ahead because we've talked plenty about this game and there's not much else to talk about that hasn't already been digested there was the turnovers the quarterback it just it was a perfect storm of mistakes Um, yeah and 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 i mean just to kind of show the other side of that coin iowa state played exactly how we thought they were going to play Right. Very methodical. Right. They were but gonna. They were me. gonna. Yeah. They were gonna. They were gonna get the ball. They were gonna run it down your throat. They were gonna run a. It's a. It's a very tight package that they run. Tight ends on both sides. Huge yeah, dudes. Team personnel. I think they. Yep. It's like two tight ends, and they just. They just. Yeah. They. They. It's not. It's the all in a box. Yep. Nope. At five wide, not you can bring everybody in, and it's like a little torpedo forward. So I mean, Matt Campbell who shout out to him for turning around a program that three years ago was, I think three and nine. And now they're another, a um, new year six champion for the first time in program history. You have a running back who's only a sophomore. Who's, who's of course going to come back and who was one of the best backs in the whole, um, in the whole uh, sport right now. So he's going to just be better next year. And then you have Brock Purdy, who's obviously going to play next year as well. So they played a very good game. They chewed up a lot of clock. Um, and they just ran it down Oregon's throat. And, you know, um, Crystal Ball talked about, we've seen the team like this before. We've seen this kind of Stanford-esque of like the East Coast where they're just going to be very slow. They're going to run a lot of plays. They're going to chew a lot of clock. 
and just the biggest thing was can you prevent them from scoring and they weren't and they just weren't able to do that but I mean Chris Ball harped on it over and over again we were outcoached we were outplayed and they just were simply outcoached you know that's just kind of just like what it comes down to where you have a program that you can build you know what your guys' thing is going to be and you know who your quarterback is going to be and you could just ride that wave all the way through and they looked really really good last night they did and Cristobal we have been effusive with our praise when he's been good and look you have to question the decisions and we talked about the decisions to go for it this and that the talent mismanagement with the quarterbacks we talked before I got on here you were watching Herbert in the NFL have the best quarterback season by a rookie probably ever and you never felt like he was that dynamic at Oregon you knew he was but he, he never showed it so I felt like that was a mismanagement I feel like the quarterback position as a whole this year has been a mismanagement the play calling as the season went on mismanagement the kicker position I felt like was a mismanagement because you had a guy that came in and banged back-to-back 47 yarders because they iced their own kicker essentially back-to-back 47 yard field goals in Henry Cattleman where you got had a guy in Camden Lewis that struggled to make 20 yard field goals let's be honest yeah no, you also true. had a f- true freshman Noah Sewell who was the best defensive player on the field for several of Oregon's games this year besides Kayvon who kind of disappeared the other night um yeah and Noah Sewell wasn't even starter entering the season. And I know you have to see it on the field, but then they they kind of change it. So there's so many – and then the Kale Milne thing. So there's so many little moments where I felt like the talent and the personnel was mismanaged. I know it's a weird year and they didn't have a ton of guys available. But it raises this question for me going forward. Har- not Harbaugh. I'm thinking Michigan because I'm in Michigan. Um, and he's about <laughs> to get extended, which Michigan fans will hate. But he I'm- is? He might get a six-year extension, which is ridiculous to me. But oh, my look, God. But look, Cristobal gets an extension is what I meant to say. And um, it was received well. Then immediately he goes out and he wins that big game against USC. And everyone's like, and this is why you bring in a guy like that and you re-sign him because he just, him, yeah. he just the culture. He just They just find those ways to win. And they did everything except for that in this game. How do you feel about the Cristobal extension now after this game? How do you feel about this roster moving forward? I think a lot of people thought in his first five years that Cristobal had the potential to make a college football playoff. And this is what year it's just going to be year four next year. It's a super young team. It's super talented. The recruiting numbers are there. And this is not a, this is not a, a burn everything loss, but this is not the way they wanted to end this weird season. That was disappointing at moments. Yeah. I mean, I hate to like, criticize him right now because he's done a lot for the Oregon program in just a short amount of time but I mean if you think about what he was given this year um, it wasn't ideal I guess you didn't know you're going to lose what is it four of your best players on both sides of the ball the best tackle in all of football Um, and you didn't know the cards were going to be dope and I mean I know that's tough to just kind of go off of that but I mean, I feel like just in a general sense of what's transpired in the past two, three weeks, it's been tough to kind of give him praise, given that he kind of, in a sense, like screwed himself and screwed his team um, by playing two quarterbacks and letting them figure it out on the field, which, I mean, if that's what you think is right, then that's what you think is right as a leader. But I mean, it's tough for Tyler to go in all season knowing he's a starter and then um, according to Tyler, not knowing drive by drive if you're going to be out on the field. And, you know, I've played football before. I've never played it to this high of a level, but there was this um, scenario my sophomore year to where 
you know, we would swap tackles. It'd be me um, or the other guy. And, you know, I lost my, I I didn't lose it all, but it was like, am I, am I playing? Like, you know, and then when you're not out there, you think you can be doing better and you think you can give your team a shot to win. These are college kids. They're still young and they're going through a weird, weird year. Yeah. And it's, and it's all, and it's already been a lot, but I mean, given this year, I'm not going to really, you know, they made it to um, a New Year's Six. They won the Pac-12 championship. Even if people think if it was right, it wasn't right, which is up for your debate. That's not up to me to decide. Um, so they won when they needed to, and they just didn't play well to cap the season. I think there was just a lot going on that they weren't ready for. Um, and, I mean, if you're going to do this dual quarterback thing, figure it out in the first half of the season when you're playing lesser of a, of, of teams. Um but, yeah, and it hurts that it was a short season, but that's a good point. Yeah, and if you're gonna figure something out, figure it out early. Don't, don't, don't get to the destination and try to change where you're gonna fly next. You know, just get there, figure it out. Worry about everything else going on, and then figure out what your next move is. Don't try to, don't try to fix something if it's not completely broken. I know Shuck wasn't playing very well um, towards the back half of the season, but if that's your guy, then ride your guy. You know. Um, Give him a shot, but because it alienates him. If you're saying that that's your guy and he's clearly not your guy, then what is he thinking behind the scenes? Yeah, and I mean, not to sound too sobby, but I felt bad for him um, after the game when he had to sit in that chair and he had to and he had to field all those questions from us about the same thing over and over again. Um, You know, how do you feel? I know somebody asked him, "Are you gonna?" Um, are you going to um, go and, and try and transfer or are you going to stay given all the competition um, coming in next season, which is kind of where we're going to go next. But you have your best recruit at quarterback that you've ever signed in the history. Um, and he's going to come in and he's going to try and start. He's not, he's not going to try and sit back up. And then you have Anthony Brown to where this season doesn't count. So he can come back again. If you're a Tyler Shuck, you're going to be a third string quarterback going to be a second string quarterback or are you going to start? I mean, I know he's and there's had... still other guys, Robbie Ashford, Jay exactly. Butterfield, that were yeah. pretty highly ranked recruits. So that and that was exactly what I was gonna, where I was gonna take you to finish this out. Is yeah, we talked about the quarterback position for this game last time we talked, and now we're talking about next season. But it looks like, for all intents and purposes, it's gonna be a battle again. And I don't know if I trust uh, Cristobal and the staff to make the right decision now because what if Ty Thompson? The, the the quarterback recruit in Oregon history, like you said, is ready and he looks great. And they're like, well, he's a freshman though. We're starting, we're starting Tyler. He's our guy. And then Tyler gets hurt and Ty Thompson comes in and just lights it up. You know what happens then? What do you, what do you see happening? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to kind of determine where it's going to go at this point. Um, I know Ty Thompson just got on the campus yesterday. He's one of the guys who are going to get there um, early and be on campus and just kind of hang out. Um, but, I mean, I totally forgot about Jay Butterfield as, um, as well. I mean, that's another guy who was pretty highly recruited as well. Um, so it's a lot of Oregon figuring out. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if people start to transfer out of the program, not because of how things are going. I think just because of playing time. When you play you can't football, play too many games with, with people's minds like that. Exactly. And in the realm of college football, someone's always looking for something, you know, a quarterback, a defensive end, whoever you need, they're out there. Um, so hey arizona is a quarterback tyler shucks and a coach (laughs) um so they have to figure that they have to they have to figure that out and i mean 
to all I know, Tyler could be one to transfer and nobody should fault him if he feels like he should do that. But I know we're like jumping the gun a lot, but um, you know, there's a lot of competition and I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback by any means. He's a great guy and he's knows how to play college football. He obviously was the number one recruit in, in um, I think in Arizona for the year he got picked up or yeah. at least for his position. Um, so, I mean, he can play, but I think Oregon has to do a lot of mending this season and figuring out where they're going to go um, and what's kind of next for the program as far as who's going to be the starting quarterback, um, getting their guys back. But, I mean, they have a lot to look forward to. They have a top five, top six class coming in. They have the youngest team in the nation that they just finished going to a big bowl game with. Um, so they have a lot of guys coming back. They have a lot of promise for next year. They just got to figure out who's going to be their guy and if they can be able to stay consistent with what their word is and what they're going to throw out. Yeah. And look, uh, this was a weird year, but I don't think you can use that as an excuse because it's been a weird year for everybody. And Mm -hmm. there have been teams that were successful. Iowa state, for example, had their best year probably ever. So I'm, I, I don't like when I hear excuses from people and it is a young team but you're not going to be rolling into next year where they play Ohio state this coming year. And First it's not game a new of the year in they Ohio, play Ohio right? state. I think it might be the second game of the year. I think they warm up, they have one warm up game and then it's Ohio state. No, where it's they're playing. the first game of the year. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless it's early and it's in <laughs> Columbus, Ohio, which is probably one of the most intimidating places to play. It's just Especially this huge, if they have fans. Like, fortress looking place where they just rain noise down on you. And I know this from being a Michigan fan growing up, but it you're not rolling into the offseason with momentum like you were last year coming off a Rose Bowl. I wonder how it affects recruiting. I wonder how it affects players choosing to transfer, like you said. And you're also going to lose a few pieces. It's the youngest team, but there were veterans on this team. Diamino Lenore opts out, and he's a filthy cornerback. He locks down his side of the field each and every game, essentially. So much so that he didn't get voted first team all pack 12 and that my kill right did instead because everybody threw towards right, which I thought was ridiculous. Kind of a joke. You're going to lose probably Jordan Scott. I believe he said it was the last game. Um, yep, he's I, done. There's, there's a lot of young guys on this team that can step up. Maybe Nick Pickett. Amador is going to the draft as well. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Diam- that's why I said, yeah. Diamador has, has announced yeah. he's going. Um, yes, yes. Yes. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think there's a lot to follow. Um, We'll be and, posting. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I mean the and I mean the team you're playing for the first of the year could be a national champion, and you know don't yes. don't kind of they likely won't that. have their quarterback, but they have quarterbacks yeah. there. And that team churns out talent, and they just I mean they're just uh, they're just a giant, just like machine at this point. But I mean you have a team who played six games this year, and they're going to the national championship, and I mean they just decimated Clemson Clemson did not look like they were ready to play um but I mean you have a quarterback who and just and just a team who's going to play for I mean a natty in about a week so you I mean you have to be ready because you're a big brand you're on a big stage you have to and you just can't look silly when you go out and you're playing one of the top five teams in the country which I'm sure that they'll be next year at that at that time so you know, like you said, these guys have got to come ready to play and they got to be ready to play a smash mouth round of football when um, yeah. when the season starts. It, I mean, God willing, there is even a season and there's so is called football by the time we roll around. But, you know, 
Yeah, I'm, op- I'm optimistic be. that we if we got this season done, we'll get that one done. But yeah, look, yeah. Um, there's a lot up in the air. Uh, keep it locked here to the dailyemerald.com. We'll be putting out plenty of content. Um, Gabe, you know, this podcast won't come out. We're recording on the third, the day after the game. This won't come out for a few days, but you wrote in a game where you're going to be writing another takeaways piece. We'll have more content coming. So everybody listening, keep an eye out for that. Um, we're going to transition to basketball. I know as we were recording, uh, Oregon's women's team just fell, lost their first game of the season to UCLA, a, a highly ranked team. So we'll have some basketball Great content team. coming, but that'll do it from us here at the Daily Emerald. Um, make sure to keep it locked in and follow us on Twitter at ODE Sports. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you.